to Mind Crime Limited Show with me, Tim Dobson, and him, Tim Patton. Today we discuss why do people get out of bed and what is coercive violence? So, Tim, why did you get out of bed today? Well, I won't answer that question directly yet, but I'm going to answer why I asked this question. I think these are two questions which need answering or a discussion of the answers might be pertinent to do. I asked why do people have children in an older episode, which had a decent amount of views, and I thought that was a very interesting episode. One reason people get out of beds is because they have kids they have to take care of. Um, since they are either you know duty-bound, instinct-bound, or love them, then they get out of bed, take care of their offspring. It's not, no different than any other animal um, in the animal kingdom, or a bird, or a fish, or something like that. Now, industrial in industrial modernity with division of labor, this may look a little bit different, but the end result is basically the same. You know, people get out of bed to take care of the offspring, and so to speak. Uh, you know, they obviously work in different areas. They might then they do. Uh, as David Friedman stated in his debate with Ben Burgess, I think Brent Langle was there. There was a thing known as natural scarcity. You know, like the when the bird goes to gather collects uh, materials for its offspring. It's not like they just exist in natural qualities. They have to be, um, now there's not as much finishing variety going on, but they have to be gathered. In the same way with humans, you know, uh, humans have to, you know, crops have to be planted. House builders have to take materials and build build to make housing. So you could ask, why is there a bed and house and food that's heated to begin with? You know, why is there a bed to begin with? I mean, you get Hans Hoppe's, you know, history, a brief history of mankind, you know, you have to ask these question things. Yes, there are things like zoning and absentee land landowners. Yes, there's things like that private and public theft, uh, rep, you know, large-scale exploitation and so forth. But that's not the entire story. <clears throat> um, that's not the entire story. I think it's a mistake if libertarians think the reason most people are poor is because IP. Maybe it's 10 to 20 percent, or you know, but it's not is or, or reason why certain places there's things like that. I think it's not the entire story. So this is a long way of answering the question of why people in general get out of bed. Um, you know, by asking, there's a bed in the first place. Um, so in rich countries, United States, Britain, the the Scandinavian countries, Japan, they have fairly well developed welfare um, systems. In a sense, you can get up, but you can, you don't need to work. Now, whether this is universalizable both on, like, the country level, um, because it could be that, like, there's some sort of version of, you know, Kantian effects and third worldism is true, whereby rich countries can do things that, you know, like Ghana, for example, can't do. Um, um, or it could be that, you know, Norway is just like a sort of, just exists off U.S. military hegemony and he doesn't have to spend anything on the military. Um, there could be th an oil money. Um, there could be individual cases that uh, allow this to happen here. So in, in, in certain countries, there does exist, contrary to what Jimmy Dore and, and Ben Burgess think, quite effective welfare. Even in the United States, there's Obamacare. Even in the United States, there is a threadbare welfare system, food stamps, various other things um, that um, exist. So are there cracks? Yes. But as Moldberg would point out, many of the people who are actually homeless either to some extent want to be there or they're dangerous to the um, housing slash um, homeless shelters. Like there are people that are just like quote unquote dangerous and unless you want to like forcibly drug them or whatever, um, you know, they, you, you don't want to, you, you kind of don't want them around the other 
the more to so to speak normal homeless population, so to speak. So, so, and I, I'm going to ask this again: Can this be made universal? I mean, this is the dream of the UBI utopianists. Everyone can just, you know, and this is where movies like Wally. I think are genuine movies, and Mark Fisher, of course, uh, we discussed him before, along with McIntyre and Boldbug on an earlier episode. You know, he would say that Wally is kind of like a half baked dystopia in that sense. Like it, it is just where everyone just uh, they don't really they just stay in these chairs all day. Um, um. So, so why do people get out of bed? I mean, the the Marx, the, the I should say Hegelian Zizak joked precisely that. You know, he got into debate with liberal and just asked the question straight up. You know, why don't you just drink lemonade, um, watch porn, and then and then when you get bored of that, just go shoot yourself? Um, it, it's to me, it's a very candid question coming out of Zizek in in a debate he had with a liberal here. There's another there's another movie that's that sort of just that explores this. It stars Sean Connery. It's about a space mining colony. Where the the master slash boss overworks everybody, but he does also pay off all his workers with you know sex and drugs. Um, it seems like in some ways, and a lot of the workers, it, the backstory suggests, are just like half cons who can't job get jobs elsewhere. Um, so it's a kind of like a work colony, but there's also you know, a lot of like visceral low pleasures in the sort of normal sense here. To to answer the question of why I get out of bed. I can get bites because I want to buy stuff that I want or need. Um, you know, if if there was a UBI check that was actually genuine that sent to me, I don't know. It's it. This is one of those things where people are jealous of rich people, really rich people, or that. But they should be careful about that because, like, there is some sort of way in which people who work, you have a task. You know, you have some sort of meeting, even 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 it's a total BS job in the David Graeber sense. And by the way, the libertarians have their own theory of BS jobs. Think bureaucrats, think politicians, think regulators. They have their own theory of BS jobs as well. Um, so, and it's also like, it's out of, uh, it's kind of out of a kind of egoism, you know. Like, if you just stay in bed all the time, you're kind of like a, just a deadbeat in a sense. Um, you, you know, you're kind of, uh, it's not, it doesn't look like a very particularly, quote-unquote, good life. You may as well just kill yourself already if, if that's really what you think life. It's kind of like anti-life here. Uh, and also, I get out of bed because, on some level, I think that there might be a god, and I think that would be a bad way to live. So, so that that's another reason why I get out of bed. There might be a god. I don't know like all the particular details, but it seems like that's not a very good thing to do just to stay in bed all day. Um, that just seems like a bad thing to do. But it does seem like, in some ways, many people are just forced out of it. Via natural scarcity, the state, some sort of ism, capitalism, liberalism, neoliberalism, bossism, and so forth. So, Swithin, why do you get out of bed? What do you think of my comments of why people in general get out of bed? And, I mean, is, is, that, is that, in some sense, a bad life if you just stay in bed, you know, all day? You know, is that, is that in some sense, a bad life by almost any standard? Swithin? Um, yes, I think it is. Um, as to why people get out of bed, yeah, I mean, clearly a lot of people, as you point out, get out of bed just so that they can survive. Then you've got to ask the question, well, why do they want to survive? Well, there seems to be some sort of innate instinct that death is bad. Um, if you want to take a sort of Aristotelian approach to uh, sort of the metaphysics of good and evil, to quote a book by David Oderberg, um, you know, uh, being... A, 
the only things that can be good are things that are existent. And so to, for, to be a good human, you must continue to exist. Now, there are other considerations in certain circumstances and things, but you should never actively seek your own death and actually continuing to exist and be the fullness of what you are, uh, which so basically you have more actuality um, of, of your nature. So, for instance, uh, to be a more actual human would mean to, well, obviously have like four limbs rather than three or something along those lines. That would be a relatively straightforward example. Uh, and of course, you need the unifying function for you to continue to exist. And so therefore you need to stay alive. Oh, as an aside on this, this is the idea that why God is the most good thing possible because God is fullness of being. Um, because he lacks absolutely nothing and therefore is sort of metaphysically ultimate in that sense. Um, so I think the interesting question uh, beyond that, though, is um, why does um, why do people who don't need to get out of bed get out of bed? So those who've got maybe welfare checks so that they can have all their uh, normal existence continue. Uh, you know, ignore, ignore, uh, so let's suppose you've got those people. The question is, well, why do they bother to get out of bed and, and, and do things? I think that's the interesting question. I believe the playwright Samuel Beckett for a long time uh, kind of stayed in bed and didn't do anything. He was very rich, well, I think comparatively from his uh, his uh, plays. Uh, Waiting for Godot, I think probably his most famous uh, one. Uh, and so he, he, he was, I think he's a bit like the existentialist. He kind of like just stay in bed and is like, oh no, well, the, the world is going to end. Uh, everyone's going to die. So what's the point? Uh, which actually ties in nicely with uh, an old Philosophy of Bites uh, episode, which was uh, life after life after death. And it's like, well, how would your actions be meaningful? Supposing that you are trying to cure cancer, you think, oh, that's kind of a meaningful activity. But if you take the view that everyone's going to die anyway, what's the point? You know, ultimately, you're uh, even you might never actually cure cancer. And even if you did, they they would die of something anyway. So to what extent, you know, is... That's always like, that's just prolonging the inevitable as opposed to reversing it, um, and so that kind of critique of anything of why anyone does anything the existentialist I think is quite interesting. That said, why do people get out of bed to do something even if they don't have to? I think because humans have the innate drive to feel like they are useful and do and provide something of value not only to themselves but to other people so even if you're like a real autiste and you just sort of like doing your own thing um you know you yourself think that's valuable but also if you're like in let's take you for like an academic type you know you, you're searching for the sake of searching for it i mean you kind of feel like you want to con contribute and influence other people uh, because you think you're right and everybody else is wrong, maybe on metaphysics or aesthetics or ethics or something like that. That's what you're. Um, that's what you're. You 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 want to do. Because um, I, I, some of the pe kids I had uh, years ago, I I got into the activity like where do you want to be when I think you were either thirty or forty. They were like sixteen to eighteen. Um, and one of the questions they asked me, you know, what would you do if you were like a billionaire? And they always came up with stuff that they would actually do. Because there's always so much sort of how should I, consumption. I don't want to use that in a purely pejorative sense of sort of like the left tends to do or some Christian uh, right. Oh, no, consumption is bad. But th there seems to be a, a situation whereby if you are just sort of consuming and you're not providing or doing anything, that's kind of bad and lacking in something. 
Um, and so that's um, why I think people uh, do things. And this can actually even be things like, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to cycle from one end of the country to the other because, well, that'd be good to do. And in a way, that's kind of production. You are doing something. It's a lot more active. Obviously, it's a continuum because you could argue, well, you're a critic if you're watching binge watching Netflix series. However, I suppose if you were, and I think I did mention this to them, if I ended up doing that, I'd probably end up creating a YouTube channel of reviewing stuff. And then it would turn into some sort of like quasi journalistic uh, existence of mine uh, because I would sort of convert something that was kind of a hobby into something that was kind of creative at the same time. Um, so barring, you know, actual direct, you need to survive and tweet and that's why you need to work. I think people want to feel like they're useful and doing something valuable. And that requires being more significantly active in things, which watching stuff at TV at home isn't. And that, that would be my answer to the question. So during the 2020 comedian tim dillon who i like who i actually liked more during then he's become more bland lately he made he yeah he got into argument slash bit over um you know they were saying well you know because people aren't being forced to work at their boring jobs people are going to start community gardens people are going to you know read a bunch of great books or something like that so there's this annoying uh left-wing left libertarian shopsky fantasy where if you just got rid of the big evil capitalists, everything would be, um, so to speak, better. Um, I don't think that happened. People just stayed home and binge watched Netflix. Yeah. So as bad as you think, you know, as bad as people say these jobs at like Walmart or McDonald's or ever, ever, other things, it does seem like the opportunity cost for many people is actually negative if they're not working. Brian Kaplan has a great lecture on, uh, you know, why do people... Basically, you can say happiness surveys are dubious, and I think they are dubious. Um, but it seems like the people who, you know, work seem to be, quote-unquote, more happy than the people who don't work. Um, and, like, the unemployed... Now, again, this all could be explained by, by, by selection effects. Um, this all could be explained by selection effects to some extent. But that doesn't really answer the question per se, either. It still seems like the people who are unemployable would be better off if they had a task to do than if they were just, you know, given welfare or some very generous welfare program. Um, regardless if that's universalizable in, 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 in the true macro sense here. Um, so my, my comment here with, with, with regard to this is it seems like it seems like many people actually even though even though the capitalists or the feudal or whatever neo feudal, neoliberal, whatever system you want to say, it seems like that being forced to work does in a strange roundabout sense make people better off and if you look at people who get social security disability in the united states or are forced to get early retirement for a few years as as tyler cowan point out once 67 or the whatever age that is the age of retirement rolls out people's views on themselves increase so it's like one thing to be retired you know like they say you know like there's a period of three to four years where they have to you know just exist on uh, disability, their opinions of themselves are lower than when, you know, they reach a certain age where it's viewed as socially acceptable not to work, so to speak. Um, so my point here regarding work is <clears throat> if you look at someone like Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son, like 
the Bidens aren't the richest family in the United States or the world by no means, but they're, they have enough money floating out for Chelsea Clinton, by the way, but Hunter Biden is in some sense, a textbook case of a child of a wealthy person who lives, who has, who lives a bad life. I mean, he basically has a BS job and just has Ukrainian hookers and takes a bunch of drugs. I mean, in a strange sense, you know, if you got rid of, if everyone, would everyone end up like, would everyone end up like that? Like, I mean, in a strange sense, he is, if he was forced to work at a real job, he might not have ended up like that. So, you know, in a strange sense, you could say Hunter Biden is a product of his, um, his privileged circumstances. To end, because most people don't have access, easy access to expensive Ukrainian hookers or, or drugs and the ability to get away with it to that degree. And, and do absolutely nothing here. But in this, you know, he, he is, I, I look at him as a, like a textbook example. There's also other children of like, so to speak, wealthy people. Trump, for example, just bring up a child of a wealthy person. As much as people criticize him, they'll, they'll say, well, if he just put it in a TD Ameritrade money market account, earning 2% interest, he'd actually be worth more money than him creating, you know, a, a, a fine a entertainment mogul dynasty. Well, maybe he also could have just went like crazy, just doing nothing all day. So there just seem to be like a social cost of like doing nothing is not zero. It's like it's hard to do nothing, and you end up just doing really base activities. Um, and actually, the people like you know the people who get the people who have the money to do like the base activities in real life, um, they don't seem to be particularly quote unquote happy. Now maybe there's some way in their head that there's some like way to measure it but like he, he, that, that that just seems basically false it seems like working seems to have or working on some sort of task you know if hunter biden wrote just fiction novels that you know that no one read it seemed like that would be a better existence than what he did otherwise here um, um so that's my example what do you make of that what do you make of like welfare it seems like it seems like in covid we had a mini run of it and a lot of people just you know watch netflix or watch porn or just you know, obesity went up during COVID. Um, you know, that's in a sense like this sort of pod life. Um, what do you make of that, Swithin? Well, I think you're you're right. Um, yeah, uh, that tends to happen. I mean, with with the sort of like um, sons of the rich. I mean, that's why they sort of ended up in lives of luxury and sort of like becoming gamblers and losing the fortune and stuff. Um, when the, the problem is when you get to sufficient you're sufficiently rich you need to impose your own constraints but very few people seem to be very capable of doing that um, that's why for instance uh, the aristocracy um, sent their boys off to very hard well according to where done one of the reasons they did it was because they sent their, their, their sons off to very harsh boarding schools to instill discipline and things in them, so that when they could have access to like the family fortune, or they succeeded their father as lord, they would actually be competent, and you know wouldn't just decide. Well, you know what I can do? I can just blow all the money and have fun. Um, so, yeah, when you do get, in a way, not having to work uh, creates um, some sort of social problems if the people aren't sufficiently directed and i think this is why you need sort of leaders and in a way you could think like some form of social shaming is like we well, you shouldn't be staying at home doing that you should actually do something useful um 
and that would actually kick people into gear. Uh, but again, I, I think you need to recognize that uh, a lot of people simply just wouldn't do anything. Now, they might hate themselves, but they would sort of lack initiative to do things. Uh, if they were guided by people around them who could provide and help help them find purpose, um, then I think they would be useful and productive and they would enjoy their lives more probably. It's just that uh, for many for many people, the social structures are not in place to uh, facilitate that. Um, and uh, I, this is the standard libertarian line, but you know, insofar as it's more difficult to set up your own business and side hustles and stuff, um, it makes it relatively less attractive. And so, you know, someone could have made something of themselves but didn't because it kind of they were prevented from doing so. Um, so yeah, I, I think you're right. A lot of people would just sit down and do nothing. Uh, they might try and do something, but then with oh, it's Netflix again, and then just kind of get into the cycle of uh, down a uh, downward spiral, which I suppose actually is where children come in because children give you an innate purpose to make you do stuff. Uh, which is why, of course, you get to the midlife crisis. It's because well, you've done everything, and it's like, what do I do now? Because well, got the wife, got the kids, financially a bit secure. Uh, what's the point? Uh, but insofar as the kids take up your time to do stuff with them, they give you direction. And so I suppose, I don't think I've mentioned this, but why do children have kids? It kind of gives them something to do. Uh, and I don't mean that in a, and I don't mean that in a very trite sense. I mean, it actually does give them something to do, uh, which makes them feel more valuable and probably enjoy their life more. So Swithin, what would count as non-coercive violence uh, towards in, in terms of getting out of bed, because it seems like the dream of uh, who's uh, Kevin Carson or Ben Burgess is basically the UBI society, which is very generous, universal basic income society uh, that you know basically provides all your direct needs. And if it provides all your direct needs, in a sense, everyone could num- not to the, maybe the scale that Hunter Biden or some other children of a wealthy person could live. But to to enough of a level that you could foreseeably modestly live a life of just, you know, the sort of Huxley's Huxley's dystopia of just, you know, base pleasures being fed through your brain here. Um, if that well, first of all, you could ask the question, is that is that is that realizable in a sense? And I'm sort of on the fence here. I mean, there is an, there is an argument that we could have flying cars. And if you assume that. Um, you might get there. I mean, Keynes thought everyone would work 20 hours in the, a week in the future and spend the rest of the time reading books and arguing. Uh, I mean, it's it's funny, certain intellectuals' views and, on, on what people would end up being. Um, I, I think Tim Dillon, the comedian, is actually have a better view of sociology than uh, Keynes does uh, in this sense here. You know, people choose that, but they're forced to go to work in a sense. Like, people say they have to go to work. In a sense, they do have to go to work. Like. Because in many instances, welfare is not as good as you say it is, as as the state is say it is. Which you could say that's a good thing. You could say that's a, if you're Ben Burgess, you would say that's a bad thing. Um, but it, it, there's huge cracks, and you also somewhat, as Michelle Foucault would argue, you, you become dependent on the state. You sort of become a state ward in a sense. So if the state wants to go to war, you could you know you're more. You know, there's all sorts of ways which are used to control you too. So so it could be that this UBI fantasy is just you know, never will happen, or if it does happen, it will happen in a way that almost a lot of people reject it. Uh, I mean, a lot of people wanted to continue working during COVID, but were first not to, FYI. Um, but, like, that's, but, 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 it, but, 
So, so then in a sense, you could say, well, I'm, what I'm describing is not really coercive violence. Um, it's, 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 it's voluntarily choosing to do something. And it gets sort of a free will discussion where, you know, Richard Swinburne would say, well, free will just means no one's pointing a gun to your head. If no one's pointing a gun to your head, then like in a sense, your decision was free. Um, it's just a sort of normal use of the words free and will, you know, it doesn't mean if that, it doesn't mean like, uh, pre-neural brain firing processes and things like that. That has nothing to do with it in the sort of standard English usage of the words. It, it means that you, you, you freely chose to do X, Y, or Z. Um, and in this sense, I think people's employment decisions, it's vague. And I do think, I do think your points about like, um, I do think your points about like, let's say, it'd be easier to start a business than other if, it, if regulations were less or, or IP didn't exist. I do think that matters, but I don't think that's in the entire story hundred percent here. Um, um, and I think you, you've, you've, you've agreed on that before. I, I've asked you this question before here. Um, so you could ask how realizable this scenario is, but what do you think people's levels of like working and what do you think would be the applicable amount of violence to be applied in this society. You could say you could say one really rich person or rich corporation, you imagine this an in Capistan who just sends everyone's checks every day or enough to buy just enough goods to survive. It's you know it's some really, you know, hedge fund, like some sort of virtuous hedge fund or whatever that sends everyone checks every day, uh, just enough to survive. I mean, what would be the social effects of this, you know, like like you know, in under this scenario, you know, would would the left libertarians say jobs now are in some sense, uh, jobs now are in some sense free? I doubt it, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I mean, left libertarians like to praise gift economies, but like as we've stated in our one of our episodes, the most normal use of a gift economies is not friends; it's in family. And left libertarians' relationship with family is like when you push someone, they probably will say marriage is a form of state sanctioned slavery or something like that. They'll probably say something bizarre like that. Um, now, whether the regards to children is a little more complicated here, but you know, that's why I started with children. Children give people a reason to get up out of bed every morning, but in some sense it's coercive because if that child, you know, like, especially if you're young enough, that child will just die. Maybe not when they're five, children can survive, but like one, two, they're basically entirely helpless um, in that sense. So it does give you a kind of purpose here. So Swithin, I sort of rambled there. What did you say is course of violence? You know, and what are your comments on this UBI system? There's different ways you could set up, you know, would it just lead everyone to be like some mini version of like Hunter Biden or like some mini version of Huxley's nightmare? Um, if, if indeed work is abolished. So, uh, so is, is your question, um, would the UBI get rid of the sort of quote unquote, quote, coercive violence to get a job as the left libertarians might think that, oh, well, have a job yes would he get rid of it well i mean insofar as the left libertarians want to define the term probably um because um you wouldn't be forced to, to do something to survive you would just survive because well your needs would be met um then the question is well, what would people do i mean that's an interesting question i, I think it's going to be very dependent on the social structures uh, that exist but um, if you had a society, well, I suppose in the current society, you probably would get people who didn't work. Uh, I suppose, I think eventually that might lead to some, some of economic breakdown, um, primarily because uh, it just uh, encourages low time, uh, sorry, high time preference. So there's no point doing anything. I can do this now. 
and I'll get free stuff. Um, so, I mean, this is one of my arguments I use uh, to explain why uh, actually welfare might actually increase lifetime income inequality rather than reduce it because it disincentivizes uh, the work of going for promotion of work to get a higher income, which then means you can then start sending the work ladder. But instead, Robert stays at the lowest level because he'd rather get home and watch the football um, because, well, he doesn't need the extra money. Why? Because, well, he's got welfare checks. So um, I do think that could be a problem. I mean, the interesting question I think here would be to say, let's suppose we had a society, you mentioned Ankapistan, let's suppose you have this highly technological AI society in which um, most of, well, let's let's just say that all the basic needs are basically produced automatically uh, and maybe you can purchase the equipment required to feed you like the replicators in Star Trek for like a tiny amount of money. So you have to work for, like one second to be able to afford it, something like that. So you could then say, well, you know, the, the production to keep everyone alive isn't required. And then the question is what will people do then? Um, I think it's a Zay society and a lot of them would end up just watching TV. I do think that's probably the case. Probably because of social structures not being as strong as they are uh, in uh, less technologically developed societies. Uh, you might get some family pushed back to go and do something. Um, but, and I suppose for men, it would be a case of, well, insofar as you're more uh, successful, you might be uh, able to attract uh, a better woman. Uh, in that case, uh, but um, but as I say, in our current kind of technological society in which you can be pretty isolated lives, uh, uh, those people who actually wanted to make something themselves would do. Uh, the question is whether those sort of like social groups, groupings that they would create would actually be large enough to get people to actually join them. Uh, or would they just not hear about them or not? I, I, I think it's going to depend. So I think that you've got the self-motivated people who do things anyway. And then there's people who will do things if they feel like they should. And that's kind of an imposed obligation by other people. If obligations are going to come from relationships, not from the state, because you don't really have a relationship with the state or a faceless bureaucracy. So it would depend then on the ubiquity of uh, sort of social clubs and extended family units and things to, to make it so that they might do things. Otherwise, a lot of people simply, I think, wouldn't do anything. I think they would hate themselves for doing it, but I just don't think they would kick themselves into it to actually do anything. Correct. So I, I think I think I think your, your comments about how welfare might increase in, income and quality are entirely correct. You should look at Richard, I've heard him, Richard Epstein's a popularizer of this idea. I mean, and then, and then on the other side, it's like Michelle Foucault would say just creates dependency in the worst way. And I think it does. Maybe on the sort of very low levels, it's necessary um, in a sense. But that's it gets expanded to too many, sort of too many people in that sense. And actually, by the way, charity, mutual aid gets crowded out by state welfare as well. Um, so that's a sort of way in which local people can actually, um, so to speak, help each other and provide value and so to speak. So rather than having a nursing home, you know, your 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 one of your grandchildren goes takes care of, you know, or one of your nieces goes take care of you. I mean again, but this goes back to like the gift economy ideal, which a lot of like left libertarians like to talk about. But like in practice that just looks like family, which most left libertarians have a uh side of a 
they have good points on criti- being critical of family, but they have a very low, they have a mixed view on it, um, so to speak, a mixed view on its origins, its how it's run. Um, and actually, many of their views on feminism end up being like women, instead of, you know, taking care of their children, should go out and work for Walmart, um, you know, uh, and so forth. So in that sense, you know, but I would say that for as much as the isms of capitalism, as well as historical isms of slavery, feudalism, whatever economic system you say exists in the Middle Ages, it does force people to work. If working makes people on average happy, happy, better off in some sort of genuine sense of the good life. You know, Brian Kaplan had debate with Elizabeth Brunig. And one thing that Brunig, I mean, in a strange sense, I agree with Brunig only insofar as I do think there's more, there's, there is a thicker sense of what is the good life. Um, you know, I do think it's fine to go to McDonald's, Brian Kaplan, um, but I do think there is a sense in which the LOL libertarians sometimes do at times, not to say that Brian Kaplan is one, but I do think there is a sense, but the problem for Brunig is people don't naturally choose to work, and she knows that, and most like people like Ben Burgess know that people don't new, choose to work, um, but it seems like in a strange sense, everyone would just look like Hunter Biden um, if there was a sufficiently generous welfare system in a sufficiently libertine society. Um, now maybe there wouldn't be free Ukrainian, Ukrainian hookers for Biden, but there would be, there would be enough stuff out there that like, and that just looks like a life that looks like a dystopia here. Um, so that the abolishment of like coerced work, uh, seems to be dubious here. Um, yeah, I do agree that no one would go into a coal mine unless they're well paid. Today, most, most coal miners in the United States are very well paid paid for my well paid compared to certain tasks and jobs like they have benefits they might have other things and so forth they're 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 well paid enough like i know the fracking workers are generally fairly well paid i'm not saying they're rolling in money um but it seems like there is a course of act to working and it seems like you could just say this the idea of abolishing work will never happen it's kind of like a unicorn there should be no agency that it's sort of like the benevolent dictator there might, there might, every once in a while there might be one, but to, to assume this is going to go forward is just a science fiction dystopia or utopia. So that would be my overall comments. I, mean, I, I get out of bed in the morning because I think it's better to do so than not to do so. And there's also the previous questions like why there is a bed to begin with and like why is there a society to begin with. Um, so it could be that you just need to, there's some amount of work. You know, the two main worldviews, I've said this before, evolution and some kind of Christianity. Both of them seem to both of them seem to imply some amount of work, um, because in the evolutionary world we sort of live in this car crash. Um, most of the yes, cats sleep eighteen hours a day, but they do have to find other things, things like animals like cows and other things, like uh, giraffes, zebras, the grazing animals. They work a lot. I mean, they're always in some sense wandering around looking for food. Um, so if you lose animal parallels up to humans. Other animals work. We're omnivores, so we're somewhere in between. Um, and then as far as like, um, as far as like the Christianity consumes, it seems like work existed in the garden. It seems like it's not, it is somewhat a part of the curse, but it seems like you wouldn't just, you know, sit in a pod being fed base pleasure. So that's my, that's my overall comments about why people get out of bed in the morning and what is course of violence. If you have any further comments on it, that'd be great. Thanks for doing this episode.
So I'd agree the, uh, with the Bible and the garden, the man was supposed to work and also that uh, the world was uncultivated and was wild and Adam's task was to cultivate it. It's just that it was significantly more hard work uh, following the fall. That's at least a biblical narrative. Um, so, yeah, even there, work is intended to take place. Uh, we mentioned the um, welfare crowds out private uh, charity. I mean, I mentioned to people, you know, if you were setting up your own sort of charitable organization, um, I mean, people who can't work, I mean, you probably try and help them out. That's fine. But the people who are who could in principle work, I mean, you might try and help them get on the straight and narrow. But insofar as they refuse and do anything, then you cut the money and you wouldn't give them any. Um, so having UBI and having just things on a plate for you not having done anything at all is not a particularly virtuous feedback loop. Um, so, I mean, that I, I, I don't think that controversial, really. Um, so, yeah, UBI for all probably wouldn't end up being a utopia. And now I'd just like to thank everyone for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends and family and subscribe to us on Podbean and on YouTube. The more subscribers we get, the higher we get in the search rankings and the more people can access this material. And if you'd like to contact the show for any reason at all, please contact us at mindcryingdebitshow at gmail.com. That's mindcrimedibitshow at gmail.com. Oh, 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 oh,